guys, do not get into business with your best friend. Uh-oh. Right now. <laughs> Just two best friends who are on a podcast together. <laughs> this podcast is an example. Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez. And I'm Melissa Grushka. Bean, this week, we're going to get into conflict. Ah, that's how I feel about it. Hey, Bean. Hi. What's up? What's, what's up? Your hair looks so cute. You're giving me a little like pebbles from the Flintstones. Uh, I was thinking Punky Brewster. Oh, I love Punky Brewster. Thanks. I really wanted to be her. Who didn't? She's so funky. Yeah. She's so funky and cool. Funky, and punky. She doesn't, she doesn't care. care. Yeah. Oh, jinx. <laughs> What's your week been like? I want you to tell me something embarrassing. embarrassing? Don't you have anything cringy? You just keep being delighted all the time. It's I am? It's annoying. Oh, I am? All right, fine. I'll, my cringe isn't really embarrassing, and it's not about myself. It's really a commentary on society. <laughs> Oh, I like those. My cringe is just global warming. That's my cringe. Is that it was snowing heavily here last week, like heavily. Schools closed, couldn't get the ice under control. And today, um, let me just check what the temp is. 57. I'm going to guess 57. Oh. I just picked a number. The high is 52 today. And <gasps> I think it was supposed to be like in the 60s or something. Like something insane. Crazy. Right. That doesn't add up when I saw salt trucks all over the roads last week and this week everything's gone. It's bananas. And it's it very bananas. cringy. Yeah, it's cringy. It cringes me out. Cringy planet Earth. Yeah, you're giving me real cringe, guys. I thought you were going to say when you said it's whatever society or larger, like TJ and I just keep not being able to wrap our heads around how Donald Trump is literally oh my God. Oh my beca- God. like oh my God. <laughs> literally become the Republican candidate. And like, people are just like, do, vote. I don't even have words. I don't either. I, don't under- I mean, I understand it. I could get into that for hours, why that's happening and how brilliant he has been at taking people with fear and convincing them that yes. he gives a shit. But like, the, the, again, we're going to have this election again? This is like a severely, it's like um, debilitating to me right now. The thought of this actually occurring. I talked last week about being really contracted. Maybe that is factoring into it. Is that Seriously. the thought of living in that world again? It is so unbearable. And my children growing up in that world, it's so unbearable. No, thank you. Montreal, here we come. (laughs) Well, because you speak French. Oui, oui, oui. (laughs) I'll go anywhere you want to go. I don't, it's not like living in his world that scares me, which is terrifying. It does scare me. It's that like this many people watched his first round and said, you know what? I'm going to do that again. Let's do that ride. I liked that crazy roller coaster where there were no seat belts and half of us fell out of it and died. Let's do that one more time. Those are the same people denying climate change. (laughs) Oh, right. Okay. So I think we're cringed out over the same. We're equally cringed. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly we know our audience. (laughs) Do you know some, and if, and honestly, and if I don't know, I don't care. Right. (laughs) Too bad. My cringe. Yeah. All right. Give me something embarrassing. My cringe is simple. It's and it just happened while you what? were not on screen. You went to the yes. bathroom or something, and our producer said to me, "Your energy is a lot really high today. It's giving me Coke vibes." Oh, that's funny because I'm actually <laughs> this actually rings true for me because I'm really enjoying your Coke vibes. <laughs> oh, but they're not Coke vibes. Can we just? I not- know. I know. <laughs> I'm really enjoying your high vibes. 
I'm liking your high vibes. I'm sorry, producer. I don't want you to bring it down. I want you to pump it up. Especially as we talk about conflict. This will be so fun. Yeah, get excited about arguing. Okay, so why are we doing this episode? We always like to say, well, you say, because you... Okay, I'll say. Um, So honestly, when I first started working with you, I don't even know, last year at some point, I honestly, even though we're best friends, I didn't really, I assumed that you only did mostly individual people. And I thought you were mostly working with the creatives that you have told me about before. And I didn't realize until I was doing your schedule that the majority of your work, truthfully, is coaching executives. And it's about half of my work. Yes. I'd say it's over half of your work looking at your calendar. And I have to say lately, it seems like a lot of it is managing conflict. It's not even like, just let's keep things like keep it afloat or see how we can grow. It's more, you've spent a lot of, there's been a lot of emergency session requests from Mm -hmm. people. And I realized we should chit chat about it. I don't even still totally know what, how you do it (laughs) when you do it. Like, I know you're great at it, but I don't really know what to do. I would, if it was me, I would just be like, yeah, that's a shame, guys. I do have to say it's been such an awesome thing to have. This is new, right? So Melissa has been so kind and amazing enough to say, hey, I want to get back in the working world. What if I helped you out? And I said, hell yes, that sounds like a dream. But like, I keep saying to have your best friend in control of your schedule is the most fun (laughs) for two reasons. One... You're always like putting in little breaks for me and being like, did you eat something today? Like, who loves you this much that is scheduling your sessions, your bean? But also the funniest part, and I don't share because I can't, but you still don't stop trying. You're so funny. Like when you see a mediation, you'll text me and be like, bean, what's the tea? And it just makes me laugh. What's happening? Because you're so engaged and I can't tell you, but. It's fine. And I feel like just even emailing with some of these people, like I have some level of connection with them. So then I start to worry, like, are they okay? Are they okay? <laughs> yeah, do they need this conflict mediation stat? Are they doing all right? It's- I feel a lot of personal investment in all of this. So why not discuss it? You're right. You're right. So I do a lot of mediation. You're right. Yeah. Um, a lot of the mediation I do is usually between co-founders who set out to start something in one energy and then the realities of starting a business with people yeah. come in and and they happen. I do mediations with all kinds of people though, but yes, I do. So well, I don't know. What do you want to do? How do you want to do this? I don't know. I what are you curious about? Okay. I have a lot of questions. You just want me let's to like bang them out? I wrote some yeah. down. And I mean, let's. we always like to be focused on you guys who are listening totally. and making sure that we are helpful to you on this podcast. So I think that when we agreed to do this, it was about like, what can people learn about being in conflict from Correct. a conflict mediator Correct. Um, slash coach? So let's let's help people who are in conflict. Yeah. And this is, my questions don't even apply, honestly, at all to the to any of these companies. It's really more uh, well, of how, course. Right, how one individually would handle conflict. My yeah. first question, which I think would really re- resonate with a lot of people, is when is it okay to let something go? Like, I mean, it's I think it's different with your spouse, but even with a partner, somebody that you see in the store, at what point should you actually say something and get involved in what you know is going to be a conflict? And at what point mm. should you just say, you know what, this isn't going to be worth my energy, their energy? Mm. That's a good mm. question. Mm. I find that when I am mediating conflict, what I find myself saying the most is be direct. Say your truth clearly. And what I notice is that majority of conflict comes from 
not communicating clearly up until the conflict. And so people are doing a couple of things. They're making assumptions about the intention of the other person and deciding that that is true and they are going with that story, which just cuts off any curiosity about where the other person's coming from. Right. Then from those assumptions, their most protected self is triggered, right? Their limiting belief about themselves, I'm not enough, I don't matter, this person doesn't care, is triggered from that assumption. And they get into defense mode because of that triggered self, remembering that in this work, we talk about your triggered self being your most contracted state, the one that is in its shell trying to protect you. So people are going into their defensive stance. So they're going into their trauma response. We've done an episode about this fight, flight, fawn, freeze. One of those four things is going on as the misunderstanding is happening. And so the truth is has no place in any of this. Like what's right. actually going on does not usually have a place in any of it because people are in assumption and then defense mode. And then from that trauma response, they're doing something, right? Like they are reacting in some way that is just further creating a larger and larger divide until it turns into a canyon. And I mean, I've been in situations where co-founders haven't been speaking for months by the time they come to me. And they're just starting to talk to each other again in these sessions because I'm forcing them to. And how can these companies be thriving in those under those circumstances? Well, that's it must be a so story. challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm curious just because of how many times we've had this conversation about the women, uh, the way women are taught to behave in this society. If you find that more often than not, it's the women who are less likely to be blunt about what they're feeling, blunt in a in a positive way. Yeah. Women are taught in conflict to constantly take care of the other person's feelings before our own correct, or those that identify as female. Right. And that does cause mental gymnastics to go on with a lot of my female identifying clients because they are doing so much working out in their heads. How do I forget even how do I say what I need? What do I need? I don't know, because I haven't really been taught that my needs matter, particularly in our corporate cultures where we've had to just kind of be quiet, suck it up and and try to survive and thrive in a very male dominated environment. And so to with with my female identifying clients, a lot of the work is the groundwork before we get into the mediation one on one Uh, to be like, what do you need here? Do you know? And it takes some time sometimes. Because we haven't been trained to even notice or care what we need. And then it's about once you identify the need, how do you speak up about the need? Like, And getting people comfortable with, you are allowed to say what you need out loud. And again, with female identifying people and clients, the number one thing I notice as a coach that stops them from saying it is they're going to be upset with me. They're not going to like this or me or value me once I speak up for myself. And I won't be able to survive this if this person doesn't like me. How do you respond to that? What do you say? Like, it doesn't matter if they don't like you or give it a chance? Well, there's a couple of angles here. First of all, when you're trying to run a business with someone, it's not always liking each other that's the goal. Right. It's respecting each other. 
True. Right? I don't have to like every aspect of your character. You're not my best friend. And in fact, guys, do not get into business with your best friend. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> this podcast <laughs> is an example. Two best friends who are on a <laughs> podcast together. <laughs> As we've learned. No, but I mean, like, when we're talking, we're entering I the 20, you. 30, 40, 100 million dollar range. Yeah, that's and scary. Shit gets goes wild. So even if you are in business with your best friend, I will say there are going to be aspects of people that come out in business when money is involved. Go back and listen to last week's episode about money and tr- money nice trauma. Plug. Nice plug. Thank you. <laughs> that does cause people to come from their contracted, triggered self. And you're not going to like it. You're not going to like when someone is behaving from that shadow aspect because it's just not their higher frequency. So being liked is not necessarily the barometer here. It's being respected and heard and collaborated with. And also something I tell my children, which I guess could also apply in this situation is if you know what you're saying is correct and true to you and not being unkind to other people, you cannot help how they react. You can share, exactly. but you cannot control. They could fly off the handle. You cannot control that. If it is something that you need to share to make yourself feel better to move forward, then you yeah. have to share that. However, part of my question was, and I'm curious what you think on this, we, we don't have to act on every feeling we have. And how do you right. know if it carries enough weight to mm-hmm. discuss or if it's something that you should just sort of sweep under the rug and, or not sweep under the rug, move through and move past? You know, I think that this is where the emotional intelligence and self-awareness that we advocate for so hard on this podcast is so important. I think it's part of why we make this podcast, which is that we want people to get curious about their inner world and what's going on in there. And so I always give this rule in conflict that is, please, please, please clean up your side of the street first, which means check in with yourself, Right. check in with your contracted, limiting belief, younger self, and figure out where did I get triggered just now? A, who's triggered in there? B, what is the story this version of me, this scared younger version is telling me about this situation? Right. C, is that 100% the only possibility? Is that the only truth? Or is it possible that there is more going on? And lastly, Check in with how you behaved from that triggered space and take accountability for that for yourself first. So if that triggered space was contracting and going away, a lot of my co-founders will do this disengagement thing where they'll just go away. Okay, well, where are you accountable? Oh, I just didn't show up. I didn't say what I needed. I declined meetings. I, you know, I acted in this way where I disappeared. And that is not accountable in any partnership or any relationship to disappear from from the relationship. So you have to take account for your behavior first and foremost and really make an effort to work on that first and foremost so that when you do raise it, you're coming from a centered, rooted space that has taken yourself and your actions into account. And then you're able to ask the other person to rise to that frequency But what I find in conflict is we don't want to do that. We want to point fingers. We want to feel the satiation of blame. Like if I can tell you, Melissa, it was your fault that we had that fight, then I'll feel better about myself. Yeah. Another one of my cringes is I feel like I've been experiencing that a lot lately. A lot of blame on other people instead of taking accountability for your own actions. Yeah. 
Like what? In my own personal life, I meant. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'll call you after this. Uh, Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, what you were saying actually leads me to my next question, which is actually very relevant for you and me as well, is what to do when you have very different conflict styles. I tend to escape like the executive you were just referring to. I don't, I wouldn't call it escape. I'm very, very conflict avoidant. I almost always have been. I don't, it makes me uncomfortable inside. And I don't, I don't really do things to appease. I'm very vocal. I'm a very like, I'll I'll say what I'm thinking. People often refer to me as having no filter. So it's not as though I hesitate to share my opinions on things. But, and I don't, and I'll acknowledge um, upsetting somebody else, but I don't want to have an argument. Like I'd rather mm-hmm. talk about it in a very calm manner than in, have conflict in any way. Like I don't even mind if you have a different opinion than mine and we can talk about it calmly. But the second, like you're raising your voice or your name call, anything like that, I will just shut down, like immediately shut down and then retreat. And let's just have a one minute coaching session. Oh, thank you. What is your worst fear about conflict? Um, I may, it, it's not fear. It's the it's the sensation, the physical sensation I have from it. What is that? I feel physically uncomfortable. It, it makes me my skin crawl. And I often truly believe, even though people do have very com- different styles, that things can be solved with words, like and and discussion. And I don't think everything has to be arguing and fighting. I really think if people behave like grownups, conflict exists but it looks different than the way we associate emotions I with see. conflict. Yes. So I don't put conflict in the same category as fighting. Conflict to me as a person who's in the middle of a lot of them right. is about disagreement. Right. Disagreement that has gotten to a stage of there's nowhere to go from here. Yeah. Like we are truly conflicted with one another. It doesn't have to mean we're raising our voice and yelling. Okay. Then maybe fighting is my issue, not conflict. Yes. Yes. Which I love about you, actually. I think it's a really healing space you come from as someone who grew up fighting. That like, there's a reason we've been friends for 20 plus years. It's because you do have a way of being like, it's not necessary to take it there. It doesn't have to go to that space. Yeah. So I don't think it, I don't, I don't want to confuse the two. I don't think it's about raising your voice and fighting. I think conflict just means having a completely different headspace, opinion, need than the person you're with. Which is acceptable. Exactly. Which is what I try to tell people. Like we don't have to be in agreement, but I think that the reason it gets that conflict can turn into something that's toxic for us is because we are afraid of saying, I don't agree here or I need something differently, or, you know, this thing happened and it made me feel X, Y, and Z. Right. And I need to state that. What we do is we either, like I said, we make assumptions and we go inward, or we make assumptions and we get aggressive. And we right. decide, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to blame you because I don't like the way that made my triggered self feel. Interesting. Why do you think, if we do another one minute, why do you think I'm so then fighting avoidant, I guess you would say? Like, I don't mind how ha- I like disagreeing with other people. I'm, I'm interested to hear other perspectives, but I don't like it when it becomes an issue. I will say, again, tell me if I'm going into the vault. I think that any kind of intense emotion makes you uncomfortable. Not if it's large, not if it's joyful. Well, okay. it doesn't make me uncomfortable. 
I don't know. I don't think that. Do you? I guess yeah. you do if you said it. Like, I think can you give me an example? Intense sadness, intense of other people, intense yeah. anger, inten- anything that feels a lot to you overwhelms you. And I think that that is because, well, I'm not going to say why, because I think that's private. Okay. Well, we'll talk so after. Let's just change the subject I also here, like yeah. to, okay. I think though, also when you have some level of empathy, I think I'm a slight empath that it does yes. become, it becomes very overwhelming to feel anybody's large feelings because it's hard yes. to break from it and like, so true. Keep it, yeah. Keep it as that. I own. used to, I used to always say to my sister, your emotions feel like an ocean to me. Like I feel like I might drown. Oh my God. I have been in the middle of conflict between you and your sister and I am like a deer in headlights full on. Wait. So back to my question then. So we have two, like even you and me, for example, have two very different styles of conflict. Whenever we have gotten into it, it's often I do what I do, which is shut down and retreat if you ever, and you tend to get angry. Yeah. So how do you have a healthy What's conflict? the question? Are you just are you just getting that off your chest? Sharing. You you <laughs> suck and I handle it well. No, I don't think mine is good either. I actually think my even though I I not yelling, I don't think what I do is necessarily healthy by shutting down and retreating. Um, right. so how do you meet and find some common ground when your management style is so all over the yeah. place. Anyone, not you and me, me and my husband also actually have extremely yes, different conflict styles. He's also gets heated. Corey and I are way more similar. In very. That you- I mean, how interesting that your two most intimate relationships are with like fire people and my family, fire breathers. And I come from a family of very calm people. Like my, they don't fight. My family doesn't fight with each other much. They don't fight with other people very much. Like they're very not conflict oriented. In fact, maybe you needed a little spice. I needed a little spice. I was like, this is too calm. You needed some motion in your ocean. (laughs) Anyway, yes. So it is even in my own marriage, I find it to be a struggle because I can't deal with raising voices and I can't deal with that level of emotion. Yeah. And then be able to focus on what I'm trying to address. So listen, I want to differentiate between having a really good boundary around not being spoken to in a way that is not acceptable to you, right. which I think you embody beautifully. So I don't want to say that conflict avoidance means that you don't stand there and let someone scream at you. That is actually the most healthy way to manage conflict and goes to the second part of my question, which is when you say, what happens when I'm in my triggered state of of flight and you're in your dis- your triggered state of fight. Right. That's what I'm saying is that it takes you need to take a beat. Like everyone just pause for a minute and and check in like am I triggered right now? Because I can't have this conversation if I'm triggered. That is the biggest takeaway I will give you about being in conflict. If you are in your triggered self and your head is full of illusions and stories about how much you suck, you will not be able to have a clear, centered conversation. And so knowing that you're in your triggered state and shutting your mouth while you process that trigger is really important to not taking a disagreement and turning it into a blowout. Take the time, process what's triggered, separate out what is the emotion and the story and the I'm not enough about all this from what do I actually need right now that I'm not getting? And when you're able to just zone in on the need without all of that other noise about why you didn't get it and what it means about you and how much that person doesn't value you, 
you put all those assumptions and stories aside and you just center in on what do I need, then you can, from a very centered place, just speak the need out loud when you want to come back to the person and say, hey, we had a situation that didn't feel so good. What I'm realizing I need right now from you is more curiosity about my life. I feel like our dynamic is not about me, right? This was the fight we had publicly on air in Nashville. Yes. Correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So had I not been in a triggered state, it could have been a more centered, here's what I need. And you as my best friend would be like, hell yeah, I'll give you what you need. Totally. But because I have all these assumptions, then I'm coming at you from my fight response. I'm kind of sad that you had all these assumptions about me. But anyway, it's um, not about you. But I do want to clarify that. It's not assumptions about you. It's assumptions about me and how much I matter. That's what it always is. We are 100% self-centered beings. Doesn't mean we're not kind and loving and compassionate. But the things that rile us up have to do with us, has to do with how we feel, what it means about us. Okay. So I need to make this a little more tangible for myself and hopefully listeners. So I'm in a conflict. Okay. I'm just going to use my husband as an example to make it. So I say to my husband, this, this happened and it made me feel this way. Let's just say, honestly, I will say if I, if I said it like that, I do believe my husband would respond calmly. Can we just use his name? This feels yeah, very Corey, formal. Corey, my husband, Corey, I think if I approached him that way would respond calmly, but I don't think everybody would. So let's say I approach um, somebody else and I say, this is my need. And the person just starts screaming like, oh, how dare you? Okay. That's when you know you are not in a situation where you will be safely heard. And that is when you end that conversation. Oh, and okay. and if your need is to be in relationship with me, this need is going to have to eventually be heard. So go do whatever. You know, I'll say in conflict now, hey, looks like you're triggered or looks like you're in a different headspace right now or looks like we can't have this conversation right now. Right. Let's revisit. Why don't you go process what you need to? I will do the same. Let's revisit this. Um, and I say that in a mediation. Like, please know that I would love to say that, you know, the mediations I do are always these like highly spiritual, calm, high frequency conversations. They're not, yeah. obviously. And there's there can be emotion and people can start yelling at each other. And it's my role in those situations to be like, hold on a minute. Now we're getting to a level of triggered emotion coming out and we've lost the content. So let's either come back again next week or everyone go take a five minute break. But that's what I can't uh, stress enough is the separation from it for a minute just to get centered again is so important because if someone's coming at you like that, then there's nothing good that's going to come of it. And that's where you do need that boundary of nope, not right now. Now, what I do want to say though is If that person who's yelling at you in your example is always in the headspace of, I don't want to hear it, they don't actually want to be in relationship with you. Right. Right. Period. And and I've had situations where I have, after six months of mediating, saying, I don't think you two should do this together because you're not interested in being in relationship to one another. That must be wild to hear on the receiving end for people who are running a company together. Or sometimes it's a relief because they know it in their bones, no, but, but no they want to ignore it. it because they need to ignore it, they yeah, think. To make the company yeah. work. This sort of right. leads me to my next question. It's not exactly, but sort of. I'll, I'll make it a quasi-smooth transition. I wanted to know what your take is when there is no 
there's not always a resolution. There's not always a right or wrong. Yeah. There is, you know, people's opinions and things. And sometimes you can agree to disagree, but sometimes one of the parties in the disagreement is not cool with agreeing to disagree. And there is no resolution or no way to come to, you know, if they want something and you're just not willing to give it, how do you move forward? You know, I think that it depends on the context, but let's say it's a relationship. It then becomes about what do you need? What do I need? And what is in the best interest of this relationship? What does this relationship need? Almost seeing the relationship as a third party. So our friendship is so additive to our lives that the friendship itself requires some protection and love and it has needs. So it might be that I need something you can't give me, but the friendship needs me to hang in there for a minute because the friendship is so like such a buoy larger right right and so in even more tangible in a business situation we're always talking about what does the business need and by the way we're talking about leaders and CEOs so like what does your what do your employees need what do your customers need and often you know that's where i think sometimes the conflict negotiations and mediations that i do with leaders in business can be a little more simple because there's a very mm-hmm specific outcome that has to do with third parties, your right. team, your investors, your cl- your customers. Your company as a whole. And so we can do a little like, let's put our own stuff aside and just for a minute focus on what is the, what is the need of this entity? But I do think you can do that for relationships too. What does this marriage need? Maybe yeah. this marriage right now needs some space to breathe. Cool. That's okay. Just because, you know, my wife doesn't want it doesn't mean it's not best for the marriage or best for even her. So I think that there is that consideration of what the relationship requires as well as what you need. Do you feel like the conflict then in business when you do these mediations is lighter than when you have like um, personal sessions? Do you find the business mediation to be heavier or the personal mediation mm. to be heavier? Just out They're of curiosity. Both- They're both really heavy because people are triggered into their most contracted shadow fear state. Right. And there's a lot of weight we bring in to conflict when we are in that headspace of I'm not enough, I don't matter, you don't care about me. So they're both really heavy. I don't find the business mediations to be lighter at all because in some cases, there's so much at stake. There's $100 million at stake. There's investors down your throat. Right. So it, it's it's intense for sure. Right. I just mean it's easier to get people focused on a third. Outside of themselves. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So then what have you learned? I mean, I feel like your evolution around conflict has improved as well during your own journey because I do, I we used to say we never fought, but then I did think back to, we didn't have big fights, but we definitely disagreed. And our conflict yeah. styles were always very different. Right. And I feel like you've um, evolved over the years. Obviously, I'm sure implementing your own practices. But what have you learned? You have to have taken stuff away from doing this over and over and over. What is your, how did you evolve in terms of your conflict style? What have you taken out of all of this? Three things I have learned that I will preach till the day I die. Number one, it's never about you. It's never, ever personal. The thing the other person is doing or saying or behaving has everything to do with their tornado of limiting beliefs and triggers and traumas that are very real for them. And they are just trying to survive because that protection aspect of them is the one that's in the driver's seat 
causing them to act and behave that way and say the things they're saying. So golden rule number one, I literally make my clients write this on a post-it and put it on their computer screens. It is never, ever about you. That's the first thing I've learned. The second thing I've learned is that if you cannot be direct about your truth, then there is no solving conflict. You have to be able to say very honestly and clearly what you think and what you need. That is very different than slinging accusations and insults at someone. Correct. Your truth doesn't have to be harm. Your truth is about you. And that's the third thing is that the only thing you can do in a conflict is speak for you. Do not speak for the other person. Do not tell them what they're doing and why they, why they are doing it. Don't tell them their intentions. Don't tell them their desires. Talk about yourself. That's the only thing you're an expert in. And when you do that, you model that kind of behavior for the other person. And then they can also focus on themselves rather than trying to tell you about you. Fascinating. I will say one more thing. Please. Curiosity is the most important tool you can use in a conflict. So because there's those assumptions there, and it's not so easy to just not have them or to say, don't think that she doesn't care about you. Um, The best tool you can use in a conflict that I teach people or I ask them to do, sometimes I'll open a mediation and say, what is the biggest burning question in your heart that you want to ask this person right now to understand their mindset better? And then you get to have a curiosity. There's a question in there that you get to ask. And if you ask it, you have to get in the headspace of listening without judgment and just taking in what they're saying. Hey, I noticed that you don't come to our girls' happy hour anymore on Fridays. What's going on for you? Right. Rather than you don't come to this group session, you don't care about us. Isn't that focused on their behavior, though? I guess not really. You're just saying, I've noticed. I want to hear more. Tell me more. I'm curious. Rather than come to my own conclusion, I want you to tell me and I will take it in and listen to you. So can you just blatantly ask? Is that what I do? I'm actually, I'm having a situation in my life right now where I'm curious if this would be applicable. I don't know how to phrase it using the techniques you just said without finger pointing myself. Like, I feel like I am understanding someone's intentions more clearly uh-huh. now, Okay, but it, it is in juxtaposition with their behavior in a lot of ways, but I'm I seeing see. it as it goes along like, oh, but that's actually what's going on here. And I kind of just want to be like, so why all this pretending? Like, what's I this see. With, right. But I don't want to be like, you say this and you do this. And then that happens. And that's very confusing because I don't want to be accusatory and I truly am not looking to argue. I just kind of want to be like, what What should I know now moving forward? Because I'm confused. That is such a good question, which is like you're picking up on the nonverbal cues. Very much You're so. feeling the feeling of mm, you're saying one thing, but I can just tell from your behavior, your yeah. energy, your emotions that there's something else going yeah. on. You're I mean, okay, yeah, I would ask you to do a couple of things. One, I think it's really important for you to come to some boundaries for yourself about what you expect from a person who says one thing and does another, rather than expecting them to be able to own up to it. Because in my experience, if someone is in a headspace of saying one thing and doing another, they may not have the self-awareness to even have this conversation. And that's really important to know. True. So check in with yourself. Like, can this person even hold 
this kind of honest, vulnerable dialogue. No. no. Okay. So if no, cool, what's my boundary then? If you're going to believe the words over the actions, then that's on you. True. Totally So you have to start to really sense within yourself what feels true using your intuitive wisdom. You can sense into it and just know what feels true for me here. This person is, let's say, they're offering to do this thing and then they let me down. Let's just pretend that's what it is. Okay. So if they're doing that, then they continue to let you down. They're showing you what they really mean and relying on them just because they tell you to is not the right approach. The approach is recalibrating your own right. expectations based on what you're witnessing. Right. So it's it's really on me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But if the person can hold the dialogue, right? If right. you do check in with yourself and like, can I have a courageous conversation and this person can hold it, then what that curiosity looks like is, hey, I'm feeling really confused. I'm noticing that you are saying one, two, three, when it comes down to it, I'm noticing a different behavior. I just want to understand the difference. But it doesn't sound like this person that you're talking about can have that. But if it were me and you or, you know, anyone, me and my sisters, different. my brother, 100%, I would just say it like that. I'm just noticing you say one, you're saying, not right. you say one thing and do another. Don't make an accusation. I'm just noticing you say and then specifically, whatever it is they say. And then when it comes to it, you do specifically, whatever they do. And I feel confused by it. Right. Can you help me understand it? And you're right now that you say it, that this person cannot hold space for that. So I believe now that's why this human has been like in a real, like a peripheral friend to me. That's right. I haven't held them close for this reason. I just realized. Yes. Because I can only be around people who can handle me being able to say something as simple as like, hey, you're saying this, but doing that, like, what's up here? Yes. Yes. We overuse the word friend way too much. Friend is a very specific word to me, and it means a lot to me. If I'm going to call you my friend, what that means is I can be honest with you. I can be vulnerable with you. You can be honest and vulnerable with me, and we can hold hard feelings, emotions, conversations with one another, and we will have each other's backs. That is a friend. Everyone else is an acquaintance or a colleague or, you know, a client, but friend needs to be handed out, I think, very judiciously. I like to have it in like tears. Like I have like, you know what I mean? Like lighter friends. You have more friends than I do. (laughs) Yeah. Friends. No, it's true. I think that's why I never had big groups of friends because I was like, can we go deep? No? Okay. It's not uh, interesting to me. Me either, but only with my close friends am I able to do that. Yeah, right. Got it. We're on the same page here. Good. Did we solve that for you then? Glad we're friends. I think all it, yes, we did because the truth is it's just a mindset shift for me, which really I should have been able to come to on my own. But it's good that I had this now because I've been deliberating like, do I say, do I not? Should I move through this? Should I? It was like one of those things where I'm like, do I yeah. move on from this? Do I ignore it? But you're right. You have to factor in all the pieces, which probably yeah. should lead me to my takeaways, my famous okay. takeaways. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from this, which is something I preach to my children all the time with their own sibling rivalry and their own issues with friends and everything, which is use your fucking words Pardon my French. I shouldn't say the F word, but 
so many things like you were talking about. There are so many assumptions and conclusions that people jump to because people aren't asserting themselves and saying what they truthfully feel. They're getting resentful. They're doing snide things. There's a lot of nonverbal cues and then people are picking up and making up stories. If you just say, which I've been trying to actually do more in my own life, this is what I, this hurt my feelings, like almost neutrally, not like you hurt my, you're horrible. And you just like, you, this happened and I felt really funny because of it. And you right. can do without what you will. You don't have right. to respond. I'm giving, I'm, t- I'm explaining to you my need and you can take, take it or leave it kind of thing. If you want to be in relationship with me, I hope it would yes. matter to you. And if you yes. don't, then I'll see that based on your actions of not giving any thought to a, a serious feeling that I shared with you. Yes. Beautiful. Giving people your needs clearly and directly is such a gift. Yeah. And calmly, like that goes back to my thing. Like just say, say, it's just a fact. Like this happened and my feelings got hurt. It's just a fact. You don't have to point fingers or anything. So my biggest, biggest, biggest takeaway to uh, hopefully either successfully navigate conflict or prevent conflict, although conflict is not fighting, to prevent fighting because of conflict is to just use your words, use your words calmly. Think about truly what you need though, before you use your words, don't just start spouting shit off. Think about it, verbalize it. And then the rest is not up to you. You know what I mean? Beautiful. Well said. This is again, why these takeaways are famous. Bean, this has been a great conversation about conflict. Guys, Thank you for listening. Again, if you want to support the show, we would so appreciate you sharing this with anyone that you think would benefit from this or other conversations. And then, of course, if you extra want to support us, we would always love a review as well. Bean. Shout out from the rooftops. Love, love you. Signal. Love you. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Grushka. Special thanks to my production team, Anushri Thekadeh, Arman Kassam, and Anais Islami. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then. See you then.